Welcome to the My Beyond Life podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip, enable, and empower today's Christian woman to live a life beyond the lies, the limits, and the labels that Satan so often places on or all around us. In today's lesson, we'll continue our series on real talk about raw emotions. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this time, God, that we've had together, Lord, uh, in just teaching and learning and, and hitting the scriptures on what we need to. God, I pray you bless this time today. Lord, you know that I need you. You know, Father, these women need you in so many different ways. And God, one woman up here teaching lesson cannot help every single woman, but you can, and that's what we're asking for you to do. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, last week we took a look at Isaiah 53, and we took a look at chapter, verse number 5, which is up on the screens. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, that word healed, all right, I'm going to go, and I'm going to take a look at what the word healed means. I'm not going to go through everything. To be made whole, to be cured. So here's my question. We all have hurts in our lives. We all did not get to this point unscathed. We were raised by parents who were flawed. Some of us did some mighty stupid things along the way. Some of us had some pretty bad things done to us along the way. So there's not a one of us sitting here, including this person up here, who's gotten by with a get out of hurt free card. We've all got hurts and they've all left a mark. Think about a brand new can of Play-Doh. Don't y'all love a brand new can of Play-Doh? And just think about everybody passing it around the table and told to kind of squish it a little bit. Each person that we come in contact with will leave a mark. Some for good and some not. But we've all got fingerprints on us. We've all got impressions that have been made. We've all got things that have been done that have shaped us and molded us to be who we are today. So now here's my question. Would you consider your hurt healed? If you could go and take a litmus test. Today I took Anna to the urgent care and she got her throat swabbed and she's got strep. In a couple weeks, I could take her back, they could swab it again, and the test is gonna come back what? Negative, because the strep has been healed. The medicine did its course, we followed the directions, it ran its jaw, it did whatever it needed to do, and now it's gone. Well, let's just say we could take a Q-tip and we could do a swab. Would your hurt come back healed? Or would the wound be just as fresh as when it was inflicted? Or would there still be a tender spot if you pushed real hard on it? Because sometimes something looks healed, but really, when aggravated just right, it flares right back up again, doesn't it? You ever thought something was good and done and gone, and then all of a sudden, you're dealing with it again, and it's so frustrating because you thought it was gone? So we're going to talk about this concept of healed hurts. Because I think what we do a lot of times is we just kind of stuff these hurts down. And we think if we don't talk about them, and if the wound isn't gushing actively at the moment, 
we think out of sight, out of mind, it's gone. And then something happens. And we realize, oh, that was not quite gone like I thought. When we are born, each and every one of us are born with, with what I call a ball of emotions. Now this ball is a pretty manageable size ball. I can hold this ball in my hands and do what I need to do. I could do this with it, I could free up my hands, I could do what I need to do, I can manage this ball. This is a healthy size ball of emotions. But we all know we don't go through life uninjured. So when this ball gets injured, it's gonna be harder to do what I need to do. So here's, here's an example, okay? Let's say I had a circle up here and I had taped it off with, with masking tape and I called in all of your coworkers, I called in your husband, your kids, your grandkids, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your mother, your dad, every, all of your people. And I said, everyone get in this circle. And I put you in the middle of the circle. And remember this ball now, it's a normal ball. We all have injuries, so this ball is gonna be called injured because we all have hurts. So I'm gonna give that ball to me and I'm gonna walk around in here and I, all of those people are gonna start milling around in the circle. And I'm gonna be milling around with them. And I'm holding this ball right in front of me. Are they gonna bump into that ball? Yeah. Yeah, they are, especially if it's really crowded in there. And especially if I hold it kinda of out there, right? But if I hold it normally like this and I walk around, it's pretty protected. Some people are gonna bump into that ball and some people aren't. But let's say a hurt happens, a significant hurt happens, and then that ball goes from being injured, stay right there, ball, to inflamed. Now it's inflamed. Just like if you've got a swollen ankle or if you've done something, you broke a finger and it gets real puffy. Okay, this is what Anna's throat looks like right now. Okay, it's puffy, it's inflamed. It has been aggravated. My normal set of emotions has now been made angry. So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get right back in that circle with all those people. The circle didn't get any bigger. And the people didn't get any nicer. Now what's gonna happen a little bit more? Is it gonna be bumped into a little bit more often? Yeah, because it's more out there. You have an inflamed set of emotions, okay? It's a little more obvious. It's a little more noticeable. Now, when your emotions look like this, there's a couple of very important things you need to do. First of all, you need to be actively aware that your ball is about that big. You need to be paying attention. The most dangerous thing you can do at this point is ignore it. The most dangerous thing you can do about this is not talk about it. The most dangerous thing you can do is act like it's not there, because it is. So well, I'm gonna walk around in that circle and this is gonna get hit quite a bit. If I'm not being very proactive, if I'm not being very wise and I'm not covering this in prayer, and I'm not covering this with scripture, and I'm not having some meaningful conversations with my people, it's gonna get even worse. Because they can't help but hit it. Because there it is. 
My life didn't get less crowded. It's still going just as much as it was before. So if I did not have meaningful conversations with my people, if I'm not covering this with prayer, if I'm not searching out scripture, if I'm not journaling, if I'm not actively working through this inflammation, then the next thing happens. Now I go to infected. So I've gone from injured to inflamed to infected. I started to bring a great big exercise ball, but I couldn't, I couldn't handle this microphone and hold on to the exercise ball because it was so infected. Now I'm in that same size circle with all those same people and I can't really do everything I need to do in life because my hands are so full. It's so hard for me to function because this emotion is so huge. Now, we've all been there, girls. We've all been where our emotion has us. And it has so much of us, we can't function like the way we're supposed to function. If I put myself back in that circle with all of my people, every single person is going to bump into this thing. They can't help it. It's so big. Now, when this is your emotion, you can't ignore it anymore. And let me tell you, neither can your people. Because I didn't take care of it when it was smaller and more manageable. Now I have a big problem. Now I need some serious help. Because now my relationships are strained. My relationship with God is strained because I have not been spending the time with him that I needed to. I've hurt other people and other people are continually hurting me. That is what this is when we are an inflamed and an infected ball of emotion. So what do we do when we realize in our life that we've got that big, that big ball right there? I can't ignore it and it won't get better, okay? That's not going to work. Trust me, we've tried. We have to acknowledge it. We have to go to our people and we have to be honest with them. I am struggling in blank area. I need some help. Can you pray for me? Can you work with me? Can you help me? Can you share some advice with me? Can you do what you need to do to help me get through this? Because my goal is healed, not hid. My goal is healed. And in order to heal something, I have to cooperate with the ones who know what they're doing, take what I'm supposed to take, go through the regimen that I'm supposed to go through, follow the instructions that I'm supposed to follow. When I got home with Anna today, we had the whole little packet of papers that we're supposed to follow. Now, what would I do if I brought her home and said, oh, forget it. Nah, the doctor doesn't know what she's talking about. We'll do it our own way. Would her throat get better? No, and it could go into something a lot more serious if we don't take care of it and follow and cooperate with what we know we need to do to fix it. Now, one of the things that we got to realize is everyone is born with this. This is not wrong. We all have emotions and they get hurt. And that's okay. 
Jesus had lots of emotions that hurt. Think about the, all that he was rejected, the grief and the sorrows and all of the pain and the suffering he bore and the hate and the mistreatment. That hurt. That hurt. Jesus was in a human form. He felt every single thing that we have felt. He understands what it all feels like. So I want you to notice it is not wrong for you to hurt. It's not wrong for you to be sad. And I think a lot of Christians feel like we have to be happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. And if we're not, then something's wrong with us. Yes, we have a lot to be grateful for, but sometimes life stinks. And sometimes it gets hard, and sometimes people are cruel and mean. And sometimes people forget you and neglect you and hurt you on purpose. And unfortunately, this is not gonna stay this size when that happens. So what do we need to do? First of all, we need to realize that this hurt is hurting us. That it's real, that it's there. We've got to acknowledge it. We've got to talk about it. We've got to process it through. We've got to work through while you walk through. Work through while you walk through. If you don't work through while you walk through, you're gonna get stuck in it. You're gonna get stuck in it and all of a sudden you're gonna see life is passing you by and you're just pouring it right out the window, down the drain, because it's not your best life. So we've got to ask God not to fix a situation, but to heal us. To stop asking to just fix it. That's like a, a cancer patient asking God to help their hair grow back, but not asking him to heal the cancer. But that's what we ask for, isn't it? God, fix the issue. Fix this little situation right here. Fix this circumstance that's making me mad. Fix this person who's being mean to me. But we're not asking him to heal the hurt. Because that's a whole bigger ask, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but there's times when I look and I think, I've not asked God to do a miracle here. I've just asked him to help me manage. God's not in the managing business. He's in the miracle business. But let's be honest. How many of us have asked for a miracle in our hurt? Versus help me to manage my hurt. That's convicting, isn't it? Because a lot of times we're not asking for the miracles. Now, Jesus, right now, redemption's work is done. He died to redeem us. It's done. But you know what? His job still isn't finished. The redemption work is finished. But right now, he's praying. In Hebrews, it says he is ever liveth to make intercession for us. So right now, do you realize Jesus is praying over your hurt? And I don't think he's praying little bitty managed prayers. I think he's praying healed prayers. I think he's praying for the Father to redeem the hurt. Y'all do know more than your soul can be redeemed, right? We have our soul redeemed, but girls, these emotions ain't nowhere near redeemed. We could call them a lot of things, but redeemed ain't one of them. So why don't we ask God to redeem the hurt? What does that mean when we would say to redeem the hurt? The word redeem means to rescue, to recover, to deliver from. Have you asked him to deliver you from it? 
Now, this is where it got really good for me this week. Okay, listen to this. The word redeem, Lynette's going to love me here. The word redeem also has a real estate meaning. Listen to what it means. To repurchase a property or real estate that has been taken by default. To gain back what was alienated. To reclaim what is rightfully yours. Now, keep that thought in mind because I'm going to go somewhere with it, okay? Now, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of a squatter. Y'all ever known of a, a, a street that has an abandoned house in it? Maybe a parent passed away and the children haven't done anything with it. And the, along will come someone called a squatter. And a squatter will take over that property. And do you want to know the craziest thing? They actually have rights called squatter's rights. It blows my mind. Now listen to this, okay. The legal definition of squatter's rights is this. A legal allowance to use the property of another in the absence of an attempt by the owner to force eviction. Keep going. This right may be eventually converted to the title of the property by a law called adverse possession if recognized by that state. Squatting is a casual word for occupying a space that legally belongs to someone else when that owner has not given them permission to occupy. Now, when a person gets hurt, I want you to picture something, okay? I want you to picture it's like an old dilapidated rundown house. And a squatter comes along. And he's like, oh, here's a great opportunity. Here's an absolutely amazing opportunity for me to gain some property that's not rightfully mine. Now, girls, when Jesus redeemed you, when he, when he saved you, he purchased your heart. That's his property. My question is this. How come Satan owns so much of it? He's a squatter. And you know what? We're not evicting him. We're just saying, oh well, guess it has to be this way. Oh well, it just is what it is. No, it's not supposed to be that way. Because that's not his property. Listen to this, this article that I've ran off on squatters. Listen to this, this makes me mad. Homeowners across the country are being tormented by squatters. They are finding themselves tied up in lengthy and expensive legal battles to get control of their own properties. One expert's warned that we could all find ourselves in this position. Attorney Jim Burling told Fox News Digital that anytime a home or property is unoccupied for a stretch of time, it is a target for squatters. I think it's a fairly big problem and it's pretty hard to avoid, said Burling who's vice president of the Pacific Legal Affairs. He said squatters took over his neighbor's home after the owner died and eventually had to be removed forcefully by police. Cases like this are common. In the last few months, Chicago squatters have taken over the home of two residents in the same neighborhood when the elderly parents died. Dorothea Young said this week that her deceased mother's property in the Chatham neighborhood of Chicago had been taken over by a man she described as a professional squatter. With a long criminal record, now listen, 
who changed the locks on her own property and racked up a $1,300 water bill that she has to pay. Mm. Karen Polk said she lost her mother recently and realized that her property, as she was prepping it, had been moved in on by a family, claiming that they had signed a lease and paid rent up front to a person who owned it. Both Young and Polk first discovered the squatters in September, and at the time of this article, March, they had not been forced to leave yet. So the cops show up. The person realizes a squatter has taken over their property. They call the cops. They say, hey, this is my property. They're not supposed to be here. The squatters come out and they say, oh no, we've paid up for rent from this place. They don't own this, so-and-so does. So the cop is sitting there as he said, she said. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do, so his job is not to figure it out. It's supposed to go to the courts. But if the squatters don't show up at court, it just keeps getting pushed back and keep getting pushed back and keep getting pushed back. All the bills that are racked up, the actual homeowner has to pay. Now, doesn't that sound just like Satan? It makes me so mad because I have given him real estate that doesn't belong to him. I have let him take a residence in some old hurts. And he's racking up bills I'm not willing to pay. And we just think it's supposed to be that way. We just think I've always been this way. This happened to me, so that I'm abused, so now I have to live abused, I have to think abused, I have to act abused. Meanwhile, God goes, wait a minute, you're redeemed. Yes, you were abused, but now you're redeemed. What's he doing squatting on my property? What is Satan doing taking up residence? And then he has the audacity to build on it. What's he building? Strongholds. Strongholds on God's property. And you know what we're doing? Not a thing. We're not trying to even stop it. We just think he has the right to be there. They said there was actual organized crime syndicates that scour the records and find dead properties where the owner has died, and then they move in there on purpose. So they are exploiting a loss. They are exploiting a hurt. And then good luck getting them out of there. If we're redeemed, then our heart and every square inch of our life is the property of God. And to allow Satan to set up camp is a very foolish thing, indeed. Girls, I'm here to tell you it's time for us to kick this squatter out. It's time to ask God to heal your hurt and then to redeem it. Now, this thought hit me square head on this past week. Now, we all have an issue. Everybody raise your hand. Everybody raise it. Everybody whose hands is raised has an issue. Some of us have an issue that makes us feel like we could wear that sticker that says irregular. <laughs> Inspector number six did not pass us. There's something wrong with us. Have you ever felt that way? Like, what's wrong with me? 
They've just got it all together. They just keep bouncing back. They just keep doing, what's wrong with me? I must be irregular. I must be on sale. I'm on the clearance rack because nobody else wants me because something's wrong with me. Ever felt that way? There's an issue in my life I've had since I was probably in elementary school. And it's an issue that, co that totally colors and skews the way I perceive things and then feel about them. And I honestly have gotten so much victory in things in other areas that I've just kind of resigned myself to this one. Everybody's got an issue. This one's going to be mine, and I'll have it till the day I die. I'm going to enjoy being healed in heaven because it ain't going to happen down here. Now, don't look at me sanctimonious. You know you got one too. I'm just being honest about mine. One day, I'm going to quit having to live the lessons that I teach or the books that I write. But every time I'm teaching a series, I'm living it because that's how God teaches me. So I've noticed that this area is just gaining more real estate instead of shrinking in my life. And I'm thinking, I should be past this. I was struggling with this in fifth grade. What is wrong with me? I get up and teach people how to fix things. I do this, I do that. What? Irregular. <laughs> I have this problem. I have a defect in this area. Well, then I got to studying this whole thing on squat, squatters, and I'm going to tell you what, I just got good and mad. And I said, Dad, gum it. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm tired of losing ground here. I'm tired of losing ground here. So you want to know what I did? First of all, I acknowledge the fact that I've got this issue. You say, but Miss Amy, this issue is not a hurt. Oh, yes, it is. Hurts cause issues and issues cause hurt. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Hurts cause issues, issues cause hurt. Your hurt has come from an issue. And it's creating more issues which are creating more hurts for you and those people in your circle. So you want to know what I did this week? I asked God to deliver me for the first time. I've asked him to help me manage it. I've asked him to help me make it go away. I've asked him to help me get through it, but I've never asked him to deliver me from it. So I did. And then I had some meaningful conversations with my people about it. And I had to talk to them about why I was the way that I was, why I processed it and perceived things the way that I did, and why I struggled so much with it. I had to get honest. I had to acknowledge it. I had to get real. I had to talk about it. I had to speak it. And then I journaled. Listen to what I wrote in my journal. Wrote it word for word. Lord, redeem the real estate in my heart and my mind that I have lost to the enemy. He has claimed it as his own and erected massive strongholds, and I've done little to nothing to stop him. But today, I'm asking you to get back every single inch of real estate that I've lost. I'm asking you to defeat him and to tear down the strongholds that I so foolishly allowed him to build. Satan has no rights here. My heart and mind are not his property. He has no ownership there. Please forgive me for allowing him to take up residence in what is rightfully yours. I can have an issue without the issue having me. I agree to cooperate with you and agree to work with you and ought to, tell, to do all the work that it will take to reclaim this lost ground. I choose to obey you in this battle. I know it's not going to be easy, but I'm so tired of losing and living less than as a result. 
of my choices in this issue. I'm done giving him squatter's rights in my heart and in my mind, my actions and my reactions. Lord, redeem my issue and all the damage that has been done as a result. Reclaim what has been lost and create something beautiful out of it. Bring beauty out of these ashes. Redeem every last bit of hurt and loss and rebuild all that I've allowed to be torn down. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. I think that's agreeing with Jesus in prayer. Jesus, what are you praying over my hurts? I agree with you. I'm tired of praying little prayers and getting little results. I'm tired of this issue hounding me. I want delivered. So I sat down and wrote out the word redeem, and I made an acrostic for what it means to me. R is reclaimed. E, empowered. D, delivered. E, equipped. E, enabled for miracles. What are we? We are reclaimed. We are empowered. We are delivered. We are equipped. We are enabled for miracles. So let's stop asking for less than. And let's kick a squatter out. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for helping me in the area of this lesson this week. God, you have taken me to school on this. And God, you know how personal and how deep and you know how hard it is, Lord, to talk about weaknesses when you're up here. But God, I have weaknesses and I have an issue that needs your healing. It has caused so much hurt in my life and hurt in relationships. But God, I'm asking for redeeming that hurt, delivering from it, healing it, Lord, nothing less. Nothing less. God, I lift up every woman in here. May this sink down into her heart like it did mine this week. May we walk out of this, these doors ready to pray some big prayers. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.